welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning again. As you can see, Brother Brian is out today. Um, I know when he calls me on a Saturday afternoon and I answer and he says, hey, brother. And my first words were, are you sick? He's like, well, actually, yes. Uh, so he had a sickness come upon him uh, yesterday or the day before. So this was uh, unplanned. As you can see, you have a handout in your bulletin, which you won't need today. Um, so he, he said, well, brother, can you uh, preach tomorrow? And I said, well, he said, have you got anything prepared? I said, well, I, I do. I guess I have some old stuff. But I said, it's all right. God will provide. That's what our God does. So I've been telling myself that all morning. God will provide. So I'm going to, we're going to try to just allow him to, to guide us today and and I brought a message that I had done some time ago at another church, and uh, it's a it's a good it's uh, it's something that is uh, dear to me. I love the the Psalms, and that's what we're going to be in. This is one of my favorite Psalms. Uh, but before we get started, um, I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer so that He'll bless us this gathering. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so, so thankful, thankful for you, your love, thankful, Father, that you provided us your holy word. We're thankful, Father, that you loved us so much that you sent us a redeemer. And Father, we're thankful for your Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in us each and every day, guides us, comforts us, teaches us. Father, that is how much you love us. And we thank you. We thank you for this church service today. We thank you for each person here. And we just pray that you fill this building, that you guide us, that you speak through me, that we are receptive and our hearts are open to your word. And Father, again, we, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as I said, we're going to be in the Psalms today, so if you want to start opening your Bible to Psalms chapter 19, Psalms chapter 19, it's one of my favorite Psalms, it's, I know uh, Jordan and I were talking before services, we was talking about Psalms and Proverbs, and I'm, I happen to be reading again in Proverbs in the mornings. I try to read out of the Old Testament and the New Testament every morning. And it's just, uh, these are just so wonderful and so full of information and so full of joy. And if you truly dig in and, and you see what God has provided us, and we even discussed that uh, this morning in Bridge Crew, how David, uh, being faithful and one of the things that truly helped David, and we discussed it this morning, was how well he knew God's Word and how important it is for us as we go through our daily journey, our lives, 
especially in this world today, how important it is for us to stay in God's word, know his word. And it, and it said in our, our student book, and I love the line, it said, to know God's will, you got to know his word first. So today, um, as y'all turn to Psalms chapter 19, I want to I want to pose a question, and it's it's probably something, uh, maybe something. I, it's something that not only did I hear in my life, but I, I probably said it a time or two. I'm sure you may have either said it or heard it, but you will hear people ask, you know, why does God not speak to me? Um, how does God speak? I've even heard people ask, is God really real? And if so, how do we know this? And I mean, these are questions that, as I've said, uh, I've asked a time or two in my life before coming to know Christ in the relationship that I have with him now. And I'm sure that you've heard this too. And so in this Psalm, chapter 19, that's, a, that's a, an answer to a question that we're going to get. Um, so how does God speak to us? This psalm David wrote is going to tell us. And it, it's so such a wonderful psalm. How can we even truly know God exists? Well, the first thing we can do is we can start in Psalms chapter 19 and as I said I think it's just a, a beautiful Psalms one of my favorites in fact C.S. Lewis he once referred to Psalm 19 as one of the greatest poems in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world and this and the reason he said that this poem this psalm was in fact written to be sung we know it was written by the king of Israel, King David himself. And as I said, it was to be sung when, they're, when the, the children of Israel, when the, they all come together and assembled together in a congregation, they would sing this psalm along with others. This psalm, Psalm 19, can be broken down into three parts. Three parts. The first part that you can break this psalm down into is the revelation of God in his world. World, W-R-L-D. The second part is the revelation of God in his word. His word. And then the third part that you can break this psalm into is the revelation of God in his worshiper. When I was preparing uh, this particular message, which it's been some time, um, I was doing a lot of reading and various commentaries. And uh, one pastor, uh, when he was speaking about this psalm, he put it like this, uh, and I quote, We are given here in this psalm a threefold invitation. The first one is to look up. Look to the skies. The second one is to look down. Look to the scriptures. And the third one is look in. Look to yourself. Is this psalm, 
And it's what it's telling us. So what I want to do is I'm going to read the entire psalm. If you would read with me, starting at verse 1. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Such a beautiful psalm. So again, I ask, how does God speak to us? Have you ever really truly thought about that? Really give it some pondering. In verse 1, starting here in verse 1, David, King David says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Simply put, look up. The heavens declare the glory of God. In Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet Isaiah wrote, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Just look up. Lift your eyes. The heavens declare God's glory. In verse 2, whether it is daytime or nighttime, David says, whether it is daytime or nighttime, the majesty of God's work declares his creative power. Day to day uttereth speech. It pours out speech like a fountain that never stops, a gushing spring or a river every single day. As we look up into the vastness, into the beautiful sky, you all see it. 
As we look up into the vastness, God speaks to us. And then he says, night brings knowledge. You may read that and say, how in the world could night bring knowledge? Think about being in the country. Uh, when I was younger, I've always lived in Southside, but something that I've noticed is before Southside got as big as Southside is now, I guess you could say it was much darker. Uh, we used to, when I was a kid, once it got dark, we would lay out outside, out back. Uh, there was times we would lay on the trunks of, of mom and dad's car and gaze at the stars. And have you ever noticed how many stars there were? And there still is. But now, if Kim and I go out in the backyard there where we live in Southside, because now you can see the light glowing from the school, the street lights up and down the highway, the cars. There's just a, there's more light. And you look up and you only see a few stars. So think about if you were in the country, totally away from light. The vastness, the innumerable stars. And if you've never had a chance to do that, I suggest you do it because it is truly awesome. But the night brings knowledge. Think of when David, and I, I, I've thought this as I was studying this, I thought, you know, I could see David. Of course, he's king. He's when he's not out fighting battles, I guess he had a lot of time on his hands. He wrote a lot of psalms. Uh, I, can, I can picture him out writing maybe on his parchment or whatever he was writing on and admiring everything that God had created as he describes it. And then, you know, I can see him falling asleep maybe and waking and now it's dark and how, this, how the scene has, has changed went from looking to this beautiful blue sky with beautiful clouds and forming different shapes to now it's dark and there's all these stars. And that is what David is getting at here. The heavens tell us God is infinite. They tell us he is infinite in power. They tell us he is infinite in greatness. He's infinite in strength. The heavens tell us this. They tell us he is a God of order. David then tells us creation itself speaks. That's what he says here in this psalm. That creation itself speaks. But not in an audible way. Not in a way that we, you and I, speak to each other and audibly a sound is transferred back and forth. God speaks through his creation. There is a voice according to this that goes out through all the earth. It speaks of his beauty. The colors. The colors we see in the horizons that are just absolutely beautiful. The colors of different species. Um, I used to love when, when I was younger that uh, Blu-ray had just come out and I used to put out those uh, CDs of the deep blue sea. And you know they would find these species in the depths of the ocean that are just neon colors and just crazy how beautiful they are. God created those. 
there's still species down there that we have not yet discovered thousands of years later. That, that beautiful, think of the species on the land that each species can live in their own environment. There's the penguins that can live in extreme cold. There's the camels and the lizards that live in the barren desert. All this, God's creation, every bit of it, all the colors, the innumerable stars, they all speak of God's creation. All of nature was designed to make man, you and I, conscious of God. Amen. He speaks to us. If there were no preachers, no one up here to proclaim God's glorious word, if there was no Bibles, if there was no books, the heavens above would never cease to declare and proclaim his majesty and his glory. The glory and the majesty is for all to see. No matter the language they speak or don't speak, it is perfectly communicated to all mankind. In Romans chapter 1 verse 20, the Apostle Paul wrote, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Paul is saying here that there is no one, there is not one that has an excuse to not know God exists. Because everywhere they look, they see his beautiful creation. In verse 4 of this beautiful psalm, we are told that he hath set a tabernacle for the sun. A tabernacle is a house, a dwelling place, a tent. God has set a structure for the sun. He has set the sun on a track that it goes on every single day. The sun and our relationship to it, the sun is burning at 12,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It is 90 million miles away. If the earth was as close as Venus, we would all burn up. All carbon matter would burn up. If we were as close as Mars, we would freeze. But God put it perfectly where it needed to be. Perfectly. The sun... The placement exactly, these things speak to our God and his wonder. In Psalm chapter 104 verse 2, it reads, Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 7, Truly the light is sweet. And a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. So just the fact that the sun alone exists 
God says you cannot run away from its heat. It's going to catch you every day. God declares through King David, even that the sun so declares his glory, it comes out as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber or a strong man running with joy. In the Galilean wedding tradition, this is a picture painted to the Jewish people and they get every bit of this reference is when the bridegroom comes out to receive his wife, it's such a, such a circumstance. They, they parade him out. It, it comes out with glory, much like that sun. And then the psalmist says that the sun, as it moves across the sky, is a picture of the life-giving power of the works of God. Plant life has to have sun. We need sun. It gives life. It is life-giving power. And it's from God. It is the foolish man, not the intellectually per, uh, impoverished, but the morally deficient, foolish, that says there is no God. In Psalm 14, verse 1, it reads, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. In Psalm 53, verse 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Because the evidence is there for all of us to see, God has not left himself without a witness. You're going to know there is a God just because of his design, because of his creation. There is none without excuse, as Paul said. I mentioned when I started this psalm being basically three parts. And we just went over the first one where God shows his presence to each and every one of us through the very nature that he created. The revelation of God in his world. Now we get into the second part. The revelation of God in his word. Starting in verse 7. David explains seven glorious statements about the word of God. Seven. The first one he mentions the law of, Lord, of the Lord is perfect. Number two, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Number three, the statutes of the Lord are right. Number four, of glorious statements about the word of God, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Number five, the fear of the Lord is clean. Number six, the judgment of the Lord is true. And number seven, he mentions the judgments of the Lord is righteous. So let's start with the first one. The law of the Lord is perfect. The word of God is perfect. God's word 
is never wrong. Science could never prove it wrong. As a matter of fact, it proved it to be right. History, if you study history, could never prove God's word wrong. It proves it right. The understanding of either divine or human nature, as we grow in time, we gain more and more understanding of divine or human nature. It proves God's word to be perfect. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, Paul wrote that the man of God may be perfect truly furnished unto all good works. Nothing is to be added to God's word and that nothing is to be taken from it. It is simply perfect. David goes on to say about God's perfect word, it is of use to convert the soul. It converts the soul. It shows us our sinfulness. It shows us our misery when we are apart from God. The testimony, number two, the testimony of the Lord is sure. We know it will not deceive us. It makes us wise. It makes us wise to salvation and the fact that we need salvation. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make the wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So it makes us wise to our need for salvation. The statutes of the Lord are right. God's word and the commands contained within are right. They are morally right. They are practically right. They are right because it is a revelation of a holy, a true, and a right God. We find in Psalms 119 verse 128 therefore I esteem all things therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right and I hate every false way because God's word is right it rejoices the heart it makes the heart happy such a contrast from when earlier you were separated from God and misery. Now it rejoices the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It is clear. It is clean. It is without defilement. It comes from a God who himself is pure. A pure God can communicate no other way. The pure word will enlighten the eyes, David says in this psalm. It will bring the comfort and knowledge that a light in the midst of darkness brings. Have you ever found yourself in total darkness? I mean totally dark. 
a deep cave. Uh, you know, it's that kind of darkness where you feel like you can just cut it with a knife. You can't see your hand right there. But yet, when a small light comes on at a distance or anywhere, it immediately will draw your eye to it. It brings comfort to the mind. It brings comfort and knowledge that a light in the midst of darkness brings. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It will never fade. It will never corrode. It will endure forever. In John 15, verse 3, Jesus said, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. There is nothing false or unrighteous in his word. Psalm 119 verse 142. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And thy law is truth. God's glory or his goodness to man appears much in his works of creation. But his glory appears much more in and by his divine revelation. The Holy Scripture, this Bible, as it is, both our duty to God and our expectations from God. The Holy Scripture is of much greater use and benefit to us than night and day, than even the air we breathe. The discoveries made of God by his glorious works might have served us all fine if man could retain his integrity. But because we couldn't even come close, another course of action had to be taken. That must be done by the word of God. The clearer our view of the law, the more manifest are our sins. We need divine grace. We need it to show us our faults. We need it to acquit us. We need it to restrain us from practice and to free us from the power of sin. Then and only then can our conduct be blameless and our words and our thoughts acceptable to God. Now David ends this psalm with the revelation of God and his worshiper. It's basically a prayer to God Almighty himself. King David, um, obviously he was the king, very wealthy man, had everything at his fingertips, everything at his disposal, anything he wanted. So his written revelation to man was... Um, even more valuable to David and desirable than gold itself. And he had all the gold you could think of. David wanted no amount of money or wealth to command his attention and affection more than the word of God. He also says in these verses that it's sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. To King David, God's word was not only to be held in greater esteem, Than wealth, but also greater than experiences of the senses. Think about that. 
It is even greater than the senses, a sweetness of honey, or the wealth of all the riches in the world. But yet David said God's word, God's word alone is more valuable. In verse 12, who can understand his errors? He asks the question, who can understand his errors? David knew that he had ignored and disobeyed God. More than even he was made aware of. He prays here about the secret faults. The secret faults are sins that we don't even realize we are doing or we don't even remember doing them. Our secret faults. Don't even know we're sinning. And then he goes on to mention the presumptuous sins, which are sins done in a proud and knowing way. You know you're sinning and you don't care and you still do it. Then he ends this glorious psalm with a humble, a humble surrender of his mouth and his heart to God. He knew that real godliness was not a matter of what a man did, was not only a matter of what a man did, but also of what a man said and what a man thought in his heart. And so as I end this, as Rick and Glenita start making their way up here, this psalm began with recognizing the glory of God in creation and then the glory of God in his written revelation. Next to this great God and his great works, David knew himself to be small and sinful. Yet this great God would also be David's, as it says in the last line, strength and redeemer. That great God could also be our strength and redeemer. If like David, you've placed your faith and your trust in him. And so as we do a, a song of invitation, I just want to point out to you that David in writing this psalm and pointing out the that God truly does speak. He speaks to everyone, even, even the ones who aren't looking, who aren't listening. He speaks through his creation, all that he give us, from the sun to the moons to the stars. God speaks, and then he gives us this word. And then he loves us so much, he sent his son to die to be tortured, to bear our sin so that we can stand before a holy and a righteous God. That's love. Not only that, he sent his Holy Spirit to walk daily with us. I didn't know. For 47 years, I ignored that. I didn't pay a lick of attention to it. I was apart from God. As David says right here, I was in misery. And I was in misery. And finally, I woke up to that. And then I learned that by drawing him near, by getting as close to him as I can, I'm no longer in that misery. I now have joy in my heart. I have his strength. I have strength to find out yesterday that I'm going to be doing this. 
That's how amazing our God is. And if you're here today and you're still straddling that fence and you haven't made that connection, if you have not reached out to him and placed your faith and trust in him, I ask you today to do it today. To take a moment while we sing this song to come forward, this altar's open. Reach out to him. He's always been speaking to you ever since you were born. And he will never stop speaking to you. The question is, will you answer? So let's all stand and worship. Thank you for joining us this week at Ramsey Heights. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, feel free to share it with others. If we can help you begin to follow Jesus or grow in your relationship with him, join us on Sundays or connect with us on social media or our website, RamseyHeightsFamily.online.